Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy, joined again this week by Liam Breen. Liam, how are things? It's good to be back, Mark, after the Christmas break anyway, yeah? Absolutely. Happy New Year to you, Liam. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year to everyone that's listening to the podcast last year. Hope you had a good festive period and looking forward to a good 2023. I suppose, Liam, uh, this episode will focus on Munster Rugby. And I will also look at the URC action during the festive period, looking at the four Irish provinces. And then looking at our round three of the Heineken Cup and the Challenge Cup as well. So, Liam, I suppose we'll start first off Munster Rugby. Plenty of news coming from the province since we last spoke. I suppose, namely, some transfer rumours over certain Malcolm Marks that seem to be unfounded. The confirmation of the news of Ben Healy leaving Munster at the end of the season to join Edinburgh. And then thirdly, the news that Mossy Lawler is departing Connacht Rugby, a skills coach, to take a similar position with Munster Rugby. So I suppose maybe we get your thoughts first on maybe Ben Healy first, because that's caused a bit of a stir among fans and social media alike. What's your viewpoint on that decision from Ben to move to Pastors now? Oh, I, I think from a, a purely rugby point of view and career development point of view, it's it's a no-brainer for him. And I think everyone who's kind of analysed it since his announcement will be of the same view. Yeah, I just I wish him good luck because he's clearly, what, third-choice Munster, probably seventh-choice Ireland. I think when he wasn't in any way considered for selection for the Emerging Ireland that particularly was kind of the, the the end of the road, I'd say, when he was probably thinking of taking up an offer somewhere else. Yeah, so he's going to have a, a, a good time next season with a good two-year contract. Um, I suppose what I think is, I definitely think he has been kind of promised something by Gregor Townsend about getting a, a, a try with Scotland. And I suppose particularly now that Adam Hastings, are, effectively their charge choice is gone, I say he's going to be in the Six Nations squad. I certainly agree with that, Liam. I think during the press release, the press release was pretty well constructed in such a viewpoint that Munster tried desperately hard to retain Healy. But Healy, while acknowledging that fact, did one of the statements he made was looking to play at the highest level. And I don't think it takes a, a genius to work out what he means by that. And that means Test Match Rugby. And given he's Scottish links heritage links i mean i thought it maybe glasgow start the season but that kind of link did kind of dissipate given contract news at the warriors so edinburgh rugby i think a few weeks ago this was probably all done and dusted here lame when munster traveled to edinburgh i think that contract had already been signed so i think from that perspective healy this is a glorious opportunity edinburgh cracking town a rugby club on the up and also as you say craig R. Townsend, and a world cup year as well there's opportunities plenty here for Ben Healy. Like, look at his performance against the Lions again. He's touch finders with a boot of that magnitude here, Liam. He is going to be literally a hot commodity for Edinburgh rugby and Scottish rugby here coming into the new season next year. I, I suppose like physically he's built to play at the highest level too, you know. He's an excellent goal kicker. So they're, they're, they're getting quite a, quite a good player. And to be honest, I mean, you know, when you look at things at the moment, you know, <laughs> From Munster, um, we have Crowley at inside centre and then probably like Joey. That's what we're looking at at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, I think for, for Healy, I would even suggest that he will be playing 
for Scotland sometime over the Six Nations. That's the feeling I'm kind of getting. I would think so too. I think Gregor Townsend needs to run the rule over Healy pretty much before the summer and before they assemble for that pre-season World Cup uh, preparation. So I'm with you here, uh, Liam. I think not of the realms of possibility that he gets called into a more extended Scottish squad heading into Six Nations at some period of time. I mean, you do have Finn Russell there at 10, but then obviously then there is competition for places in terms of who's the backup of Finn Russell. I think Ben Healy, with his attributes, as you've rightly described, I think is ticking an awful lot of boxes here for Gregor Townsend and management here. So I think that would be an intriguing move. I suppose, Liam, in terms of that move from a Munster rugby perspective, it really does open the door here for Jack Crowley really to be the main man here, isn't it? I mean, I wrote in a piece with Hawkeye Psychic. What's the situation with Joey Carberry post this Rugby World Cup 2023? I think there's question marks here in terms of Carberry and his long-term stay with Munster, given that I think they've really committed here, Munster, to Jack Crowley being the main man here for many a season to come. Mark, I have to say this. I mean, we find ourselves in a situation where Munster's, um, I suppose, considered first choice halfbacks are Ireland's second choice halfbacks and I would nearly argue that a combination of, of Crowley and or Casey or Patterson is a far better halfback partnership you know so this is the conundrum even for for Munster you know um so do, do we have to uh, you know going forward as in say from February on do we have to stick with Murray and Carberry and get them game time for for the World Cup uh, it's another thing to be thinking of, but yeah, but look, I mean, the ceiling for 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 Crowley, uh, for instance, that I would have is is very very high, and as you say, post World Cup, Carberry could make a move somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's what we're in about possibility. Yeah, exactly. You know, you do have the two fly halves now. Competition's going to be healthy. We used to have four with Jake Flannery. He's gone to Ulster. Obviously, that Ulster rugby move hasn't really materialised for well for Jake Flannery heard some transfer rumours about him. Again, we're down to two. Is there kind of a question mark here in terms of who's the third person coming in? Maybe that's a Rory Scannell who could maybe revert to 10 within the squad. Maybe the academy will provide that uh, selection as well. But I think it's an intriguing one for Munster Rugby going forward, particularly, as you say, January, March, when there's key games for Munster Rugby where the IRFU directive comes in in terms of giving sufficient game time to selected players so all to follow there I suppose we wish Ben well in terms of his move to Edinburgh rugby looking forward to see his progression in his career and hopefully he gets his opportunities in terms of test match level I suppose Liam as well um, the news of Mossy Lawler uh, joining Munster rugby as skills coach for next season departing Connacht rugby where he's very highly regarded a nice coup here I think for Munster rugby yeah fantastic coup I mean I mean this is a guy who's really, you know, had a major influence on Connacht rugby. They really can open up the play. They are such incisiveness when they attack. And, you know, a lot, a lot of that is, is down to Mossy Lawler. So it's going to be a good fit, I think, for next season as a skills coach. And uh, I'm delighted that he's back working with him in the province. Mossy Lawler knows everything that needs to be known about Munster rugby, given his extensive playing career with Munster. Shannon Rugby Club, he knows... The Munster rugby fabric inside out. So 
I think his relationship with Mike Pendergast as well, they're going to hit the ground running. They have the same ethos, same vision in terms of the game plan. So I think this all bodes well, I think, from a Munster rugby perspective, even adding 1% or 2% more in terms of skill, coaching drills and ability to identify new kind of uh, tips and tricks won't go uh, unnoticed here. So I think Mossy Lawler, it's it's a good move for Mossy Lawler, I think, in terms of Connacht rugby. There does seem to be a bit of a vacuum at the moment in terms of Connacht rugby. Head coach departing comments in terms of certain backroom staff not being interviewed for the Connacht rugby role is creating a bit of a vacuum, whether Connacht rugby board deny it or not. I think this is maybe necessitating probably Mossy Lawler's decision to uh, head back to Munster Rugby. So I think it's a great appointment here for Munster and uh, looking forward to pre-season and seeing what Mossy Lawler can provide uh, to the team and the squad overall. Also, Malcolm Marks. <laughs> Where did this rumour come from, uh, Liam? I mean, there is being French club interest after the World Cup and Munster's rugby's name seemed to be put in the mix. I didn't think that this was going to be a starter, just given probably his salary demands. But what was your reaction when you heard speculation on Malcolm Marks because I know you're a big fan of his yeah yeah of course I was just I was getting excited with like himself and O'Mahony and, and Byrne in the same team <laughs> they'd be like you know <laughs> every opposition team would have their, like t- would be like turned over every se- every second rock like you know funny enough I I, I think it's not just Marks I, th- I think we will be in the market for players because it's no it's no secret that Fekitoa hasn't quite settled in still think the Sneeman is going to be has to be the next month or two. It has to be just a mutual consent statement issued by all parties. So what, what I'm looking at is we won't have any foreign or non-Irish qualified players. So we will be able to sign maybe two guys for for next season. And I actually thought that if you add up the wages for Fekatoa and Sneeman, it probably would actually, in fact, cover Malcolm Marks, you know. So... But anyway, look, you could also look at it another way cynically where you could say it was just a ploy from agents and the like to kind of um, spike up more interest among the French clubs as well. I think the latter, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think representatives for Marx, maybe not the agent, but I think people knowing Marx probably did go to the media in South Africa, really drumming support. It takes two to tango. So maybe looking for maybe an elevated terms and conditions from a prospective club. Now, I think this will all get announced in the next week or two where Malcolm Marks is going to play his rugby post-2023. I mean, Liam, he's a fantastic player, fantastic attributes in terms of hooker, great line out thrower, dynamic around the ball, superb breakdown operator. So I think from that perspective, he takes an awful lot of boxes, but it is that situation with Munster and the personnel it's all well and good with Ben Healy departing, but there needs to be acquisitions from Munster Rugby here. And I think the fact of the matter is, I think Munster are going to have to recruit, recruit quite cleverly, you know, in the next few weeks, particularly in key positions. I think still three quarters, I think front row, uh, particularly, and even at 10, maybe looking at their depth chart there. With I, I think, Mark, you and I should have a look into that, like, you know, for the next kind of earmark some some players that are you know seriously that are well worth looking at at least you know I'm I'm not talking about a Malcolm Marks or a you know a, an Owen Farrell but like guys at the next level down who are still very much uh, worth a look. Oh absolutely I think we'll certainly do a podcast episode on that uh, Liam no doubt because you look at the Gallagher Premiership at the moment and the governance I think certain clubs are going to actually have to release players to kind of get 
books to balance. So I think there's quite a few players here that Munster could definitely avail of. But I, I think Mark's definitely, I'd be very surprised if there, that rumour does resurrect again, given Dennis Leamy's comments uh, during the week. And I think it was good for Leamy just to close off that angle because it was coming a bit of a side issue here for Munster uh, to have to uh, deny or confirm those reports. So I think kudos to Dennis Leamy. But again, it does highlight the need from Munster Roby's perspective. From Pro, I think is going to be an urgent area where they're going to have to have cover, uh, particularly with the World Cup coming up and uh, next season, if they want to challenge with the big boys. And to be honest, I'm quite, I'm quite worried about the Toulouse away game. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And if you have, you know, I mean, those props, seriously, like, you know, <laughs> it's it's getting, it's quite scary, like, you know. I suppose yeah. we can get to it because yeah. I know the Lions arrived to Musgrave Park. I mean, the wind and the rain on Friday night was just incessant. And I think credit to Munster Rugby for the performance that they produced, but the one aspect on that performance, it stuck out like sore thumb was in terms of the, the set piece and the scrummaging. And I think, Liam, to be fair, from a video analysis perspective from Munster Rugby, I think they kind of see in terms of squad depth, in terms of prop um, situation, that there is need for improvement, uh, certainly after that cameo, despite the 33-3 win over the lines. Yeah, there is. I mean, look, that, that first 20 minutes in terms of the scrummaging, we, we kind of rode our look and, you know, there was a time there, I suppose, where they had three or four scrums in a row and um, we were lucky to to get out of there. But I, I suppose it has to be put into perspective, too. I think we did lose um, our hooker early. So Scotty Buckley came in early and then we, we lost Witcherly as well um, for Kilcoyne. Probably you could argue again that that might have strengthened things. But there, so there was a bit of unsettling there. And after that, to be fair, we did kind of for the rest of the game, we, we had we had parity after that, I think, in the scrums. Yeah, maybe a touch harsh for myself, but the Lions, I think, were very aggrieved, particularly in that opening period, that a yellow card wasn't issued by Holly Davison, particularly with the, the dominance in the scrum. And maybe another match official would have taken more of a dim view of Munster in terms of their scrummaging, particularly in that first, second quarter, particularly. But I think take nothing away from Munster rugby, 3-0 down early from the Hendricks uh, penalty after Munster were pinged at the breakdown. But the response again, and I repeat this in the podcast, the resiliency of this group of players, again, to respond. First try in 10 minutes uh, here, uh, Liam, and I suppose Ben Healy's superb touch finder against that breeze was phenomenal. And then the pack did the rest with Scott Buckley touching down. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, it was Kendellen was, was found in the line out and um, went to back to Buckley. And then I think he brought half the he brought the pack and half the backs as well with him. To be fair, they all they all they all got into the act like so. There was no way doesn't no, they weren't going to stop that mall. Yeah, so it's a great um great great start for Munster for sure. Exactly. Now we kind of mentioned about the scrum dominance of the Lions here, and they were putting huge pressure on obviously, but eventually winning a turnover ball in midfield, and then the second try from Munster materialised on 28 minutes. And I think it was some great play here. I think John Hodden is prominent. Uh, Paddy Patterson as well, really kind of controlling the tempo very well. And uh, Jack Cotunna, who uh, scoring off the base of the rook a few phrases later. I think it was a you know, good game, a smart try from uh, Jack Cotunna, who here to make it a 12-3 once uh, Ben Healy uh, made a conversion. Yeah, he, I think he made it look easy, like to be fair to him, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all, you know. And I think Patterson had taken it up and just, was just stopped short. And then he just picked and go 
from there um and very well taken try you know well on the, on the line um and that that was certainly key in the first half to kind of really i suppose to almost break the lions after all the possession that they had exactly now Philip Katoa here I thought Liam, to be fair to him, he put in a great shift on Friday night against the Lions. And there was one particular element there where Alex Kandelan was held just over the line after a Fikatoa offload. But you could see um, could see signs there from Fikatoa. His synchronization with the, the team around him uh, was much better. But again, Patterson, that man again, you know, he's paced to break through the middle of the ruck in 49 minutes and racing for his second try in as many games, and then Healy making it 19-3 to really kind of break this game out in the third quarter. Even though Lions, I think, had started pretty well for the first five, six minutes of that second half, but again, the elements here are playing a huge part here in terms of uh, the score. If I remember, like, Van der Berg w- was basically just caught by Jacques um, Dunahue, uh, and uh, he was he spilled the ball, you know. Edwin van der Merve also, you know, um, on the left w- was very prominent as well. So they had kind of a bit of ball, but no real, I suppose, clear-cut chances. But yeah, I, I, I'm hodden a very strong taking up uh, and, and good then linking, as you said, with Fekatoa for Kindan to be held up. And then, you know, luckily, we we kind of, we, 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 we didn't really... I suppose score then again until maybe later in the game. That fantastic try from Liam Coombs, like incredible individual try. How critical will that try be, Liam, come the end of the regular season and the playoff race? It's very mm. tight from let's say four up until nine or ten at the moment. Munster needed that bonus point, in my personal opinion, uh, to come out of that game feeling pretty good about themselves. And to be fair to Liam Coombs, had plenty to do facing uh, against his own goal but the the running line was absolutely sensational and again it was just a superb take and uh, really did break out the game again didn't it it was just superb stuff from Liam Coombs and something pivotal that could turn a season here for the ball club yeah of course it could because I mean I mean the Lions are pretty much were left with us but I think they have a game in hand so that was quite crucial they picked if you remember pretty much their first choice uh, first ch- choice team. Yeah. They were pretty much f- f- full strength as well. And they had won their last uh, four away games. like, And I think that was like mostly in Europe, right? So, I mean, I mean, when you put all that together, that was that was a very impressive performance by Munster um, to keep them to three points, you know, no, 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 no tries conceded as well. That was, that was crucial as well. I think the Lions definitely came to try and get something out, out of the fixture. Yeah, that I suppose back to back with the that last minute win against uh, Ulster away, and we're now I think we're up to seventh in the table, and we have a very good fixture list to come. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Scott Buckley concluded the scoring. I think the lines were well and truly beaten Docket at that stage. Once Coombs basically went over, and again it was good play from the pack courtesy of more good work uh, from the breakdown for Munster to earn that penalty uh, for Buckley to round off the win. And, I mean, I think it has to be said here as well uh, in terms of performances of Ben Healy. I think John Hodden is absolutely phenomenal. I thought throughout, deservedly man of the match. I thought Conor Murray had a nice little cameo when he came in, particularly he had a, a nice kick in behind that line's uh, defensive line to really relieve pe- pressure in that third quarter. Uh, Dan Goggin coming in and making a kind of an instant impact with that uh, uh, penalty turnover. 
So I think all in all here, Liam, I think it was a continuation again of good form from the, the Ulster game, uh, to be fair. And I think it does set Munster up fairly well because if you look at the, the fixture list coming, I know you have the two group stage games in the Heineken Cup, but away to Benetton, home to Ospreys, home to Scarlets, and home to Glasgow Warriors in the next four, I think are absolutely key for Munster. If they can get four from four on that, I think consolidation in the playoffs places should be secured at that stage. Yeah, um, and now I think you know, I look, I think it's well possible for us to win the four and to get up to you know potentially as high and realistically as the highest fifth. You know, we won't get beyond that. But if we can get to fifth, I mean, that would be just tremendous altogether. And it's it's very very well do. But also, I think that the whole Six Nations thing comes into it. For, for the fixtures after this, like, you know, for the, from the 28th of January. And we would have good kind of backup players, um, say, compared to, to, to Benetton. And then we're playing, you know, we're playing the two weakest Welsh sides on the table. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those certain three fixtures are, are very winnable. You know, Glasgow ourselves would be a right ding-dong battle altogether. But um, I'm very confident that we can get four positive results there. I'm with you there, Liam. I think Six Nations, again, whenever the international break happens, particularly before the November International Series, particularly with Six Nations, it really does test your squad depth. And these are the, the results that really do define the playoff order uh, when you come into the season. There's marginal, marginal differences between sides, but really these international windows do kind of emphasise where play, teams are going to be placed. And I, I definitely agree with you there. Benetton's Italian contingent will be away on international duty a little bit more, I suppose, comfortable. Not as precarious as maybe Ulster last weekend with their um, loss to Benetton against a fully loaded Benetton side. I think the Ospreys have progressively improved, but again, the Osprey Scarlets, there will be Welsh representation there, obviously, from both those ball clubs. And I think that Munster-Glasgow game, it just, for me... I have the Biro highlighted on this. I think this makes or breaks both their team's seasons in the RC. Whoever wins this elevates their chances of playoffs, playoff success. So, I mean, it's imperative for Munster to do the business here at home and that homestand particularly before you head on a plane to South Africa to face the Stormers on the 15th of April and then the Sharks on the 22nd. And, you know, you just never know what the Stormers and the Sharks playoff consolidation here they may decide to play, you know, maybe fringe players. You just not, never know. But I think Munster need to get their house in order before they actually go to South Africa. They can't be depending on results in South Africa here to kind of um, secure their playoff berth. But I think all in all, very exciting. I suppose, Liam, the URC, the festive period, New Year. What else stuck out from you uh, in terms of headlines, in terms of the league? Well, look, I mean, I mean, look, it's, we didn't mention it, but like the, that, that uh, performance away from Munster to, to Ulster. To win like that uh, at the day was was absolutely brilliant, you know. Again, you could say that was almost as as season defining as well, you know. So what what's happening now is, look, we had three or four fixtures realistically that we should have won at the beginning of the season, and then we'd be a completely different place now even. But now we're picking up crucial wins against good sides, you know, like Ulster and like the Lions. So things are almost like balancing out, you know. And we find ourselves probably in, in, in the position that we were expecting to be in come the the Six Nations fixture starting. So, yeah, that's that's something that's, that stands out for me. There's a few things. Uh, I think the Ulster Rugby 
season again took a bit of a, a turn again. You know, particularly with that late loss against Munster, maybe they felt they may have turned a corner with a, a win against Connacht in the sports ground. But again, they that that was a collapse in the last ten minutes against Connacht, and maybe it's kind of showing a few issues here in terms of Ulster not closing out games properly because, again, Munster going to Kingspan, playing the rugby really in the last quarter, and I thought deservedly won that game at the death, you know, courtesy of the Ben Healy uh, try. I thought it was a great set of play uh, there, and that was a pivotal win. But again, Ulster in Benetton, again, there was a late flurry from Benetton to win that game. So I think there is question marks. And plus the fact that your head coach is now throwing players under the bus, essentially, throwing the team under the bus, it just doesn't bode well here for Ulster. And I think it's a, a worrying development, I think, for Ulster. They're right in the chasing pack in terms of playoff push and another one or two losses here, uh, Liam and Munster Rugby could be even above them, which a few weeks ago would have been inconceivable. And I think as well as that, the other probably key story coming out of it is probably, it's probably South African teams again, just to kind of see the prioritization on the league. I mean, the Sharks coming to call away there last weekend with a pretty much skeletal squad head coach, first team were basically left behind. I think it really does expose some issues here in terms of scheduling for those South African teams coming over and European Cup action. I think it's something that needs to be evaluated by tournament organisers to maybe mitigate that because I thought the integrity of the competition, particularly last weekend, I was at the game in sports ground, even though the Sharks gave it a good go in terms of the personnel, there was never a doubt that Connacht Rugby wouldn't win that match. And again, for the league organisers, I think it's a bit of a worrying development. But again, it's probably something that they can sit down and review with South African teams and schedules uh, going into the new season. Um, I suppose, Liam, if we're kind of looking at then Leinster as well, you know, they're, you know they had a great win against uh, Munster down in Tone Park by the bare minimum. And then they had a good win uh, against Connacht Rugby. But then we're made to sweat a little bit against Ospreys uh, last weekend, uh, Liam. And... Uh, you know, again, for a very kind of improved last 15, 20 minutes, I think uh, Ospreys may have secured a famous win here. Yeah, it's, it's it's a pity because the Ospreys played probably almost to as good as they played this season, you know, as they played, I suppose, against Montpellier as well. They're, they're home and hoes, really, Leinster, aren't they, at this stage, in, ter- in terms of the league, in, in that position again. But again, ha- probably haven't been tested enough this season so far. The double is still on, basically, for them. It is indeed. I thought the Ospreys were very impressive for 60 minutes of that ball game in the previous in the last round. Kieran Williams at 12 really was creating an awful lot of significant game line breaks. I thought Tipperick, Adam and Jones, the usual characters in that Ospreys side showed up. But I think Leinster's maybe conditioning here really did kind of come to the fore right at the end. There seemed to be an awful lot of tired Ospreys bodies in that final quarter and gaps did open up. Now, again, I don't think it was a vintage Leinster performance by any stretch, but again, they got the job done and probably, you know, they go into the Champions Cup with a bit of focus points to address here on video analysis, which is always not a bad thing to be focused in on. So, again, I think from a playoff perspective here, Liam, Fair to say they're probably a top seed at this stage, uh, given their run of games coming up. Look, uh, it, it, there, there will certainly be a top seed in the URC. 
and then in terms of Europe, look, they're two from two. They're top of their 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 pool, and they will be very much the top seed again after beating Gloucester um, at the weekend. So yeah, I, look, they're 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 in they're in a good position. You wouldn't bet against them. Certainly not. And I think from let's say a Leinster perspective, that top seed looks pretty ominous. There, they are eleven points clear of the Stormers at the moment. Granted, Stormers do have a game in hand. But still, look at all the hard work that's been done here. And I suppose it's now the question of the key management decisions from the likes of Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, in terms of rotating squads here, and particularly the South African trip, whether they do kind of um, what sort of squad selection they will bring down to South Africa here. So I think from that perspective, Lens are in a very rosy position. Johnny Sexton, obviously, facial injury seems to be clearing up seems to be looked to be available for the Ireland Six Nations fixtures, which is always good news. Yeah, to be fair, sky's the limit for Leinster at the moment. Anyway, they're well set up. Liam, can we get your viewpoints in terms of the Champions, well, the Heineken Cup, really, and the Challenge Cup, uh, the four provinces specifically, and maybe any other games that kind of whets your appetite? So it's the reverse from round two. So Leinster travelling to Gloucester. Uh, We've Northampton Saints travelling to Tolman Park to face Munster. Ulster are facing a very daunting challenge to Ronan Gara's La Rochelle. And then you've Connacht in the Challenge Cup playing a brief uh, side that really don't have any interest. But there was a bit of a feisty encounter between the two teams in round two. I suppose, what are your viewpoints on these four provinces? Do you give any chance to Ulster? And maybe significantly, uh, what are the bankers here uh, from uh, an Irish province perspective? Oh, well, the, the banker is actually, I don't know, I'm not going to say this for the away fixture, but it, the banker is uh, Leinster to, to win Gloucester, Gloucester away. That's an absolute banker. And like they, they could possibly win, I'm thinking maybe 15, 16 points, you know, uh, away from home against Gloucester. I think that that's the, that's the, the main one. And then, then definitely ourselves, look, on Saturday, I would very much be expecting a bonus point again. Again, it depends what kind of a team that Northampton Saints are going to actually pick. Are they going to pick up Courtney Laws? Because he, he is that crucial. He's absolutely that crucial. Um, in, in in terms of our team, we have something to, to think about. If if Murray is, isn't quite available, who are we going to pick at scrum half? I think that's 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 a big one. And of course, who are we going to pick at out half as well? But um I, I think I think we have we'll have, we have too much at home for Northampton Saints, um, so just to get get the basic bonus point win for us. La Rochelle against Ulster, I think that could be a bit of a horrible evening for Ulster over in La Rochelle. I mean, their season is on is on the verge of of, of collapse on the two fronts, um, and I think I think you know you could be looking at twenty point loss uh, away there. And as for Connacht against Breve, I must say again, even though it was a second string Sharks side, we have once again had the, the final 20 minute collapse <laughs> for mm. Connacht where they 24 nil became 24 12, you know. So that that's really for me, for Connacht, just just to stick with it for even 70 minutes, you know. Um, but I think Connacht will will come away with the win um, against Breve. They're at home and I think. They'll get uh, three tries, maybe just short at bonus point. Yeah, I'd agree with you there in terms of Breve. I, to be honest, it was a very feisty fixture between Breve and Connacht, and we should have expected that given 
the former Connacht personnel on duty for Breve on the night, likes of Sammy Arnold and the likes. So they were they were going to be keen to make an impact. And I mean, for Connacht rugby, it really has destabilised their season, particularly with the likes of Gavin Thornbury. Now, granted, the Murray brothers have been outstanding deputising for Gavin Thornbury, but I think Thornbury is such a big miss for Connacht in that front five. He just is pure work rate and physicality. So that'll be interesting. And Paul Boyle as well has been sidelined since that game as well. So I think there might be a little bit of feistiness there. And I, But I, I, you can only point to one direction here. I think Breve really haven't really shown in terms of Challenge Cup away from home. They leaked a hell of a score to the card of rugby at the opening round. So I think, to be fair, I think Connacht should be securing the five points here. And I know Andy Friend has been at pains to say that Challenge Cup hasn't been a priority, but I think it should start to be the priority now. Given their loss to Ulster Rugby, given their loss to Leinster Rugby, they're going to depend on results here, you know, given their schedule. So I think this Challenge Cup becomes even a more important competition for Connacht. So I would hope anyway, for Connacht's sake, that they can skirt five points and then really kind of build on it heading into the Newcastle Falcons game in Kingston Park because Newcastle have nothing to play for there either. So I think you know, looking at probably a top two or three seed, potentially out of their pool, which would be a great achievement and, you know, set them up well for the spring. Yeah, I think Northampton as well. I think big question marks over their team selection. Dave La Rochelle come to Franklin Gardens on the Saturday, 21st of January. Do they kind of hold back on that? I, You know, to me, they're very much an outside chance of a playoff right now. I think for me, this is all Munster. I think there's a bonus point here for Munster, really, if they can set the tone early. I think there's an awful lot of good vibes coming from the Munster camp, particularly after the training session in Tone Park. So Northampton have been very topsy-turvy, you know, in terms of, you know, during the festive period here, Liam, they put 46 points past Harlequins on the 1st of January, but then turn around on the road to Sandy Park and League 35. So they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team uh, particularly home and away. So I think Munster should be well buoyed by that. I think the Franklin Gardens performance as well. I think they've seen the full array of attacking outlets that Northampton tried to throw at Munster and Munster repelled them. So look, I think that's a I think that's a five pointer there. Leinster, Gloucester. I think Gloucester have a point to prove here, Liam. You know, given that they put the B side over to the RDS. They have to prove here that their A side are competitive against Leinster. Personally I don't see it. And I think that's definitely an easy five points uh, there for Leinster. And I think for Ulster, for me, it'll be interesting to see who is playing number 10 for Ulster in La Rochelle. Because for me, Billy Burns doesn't inspire any confidence at the moment in terms of his game management. And we talked about Jake Flannery at the start of the programme. He hasn't got a look in in Ulster rugby. Again, is it going to be Nathan Doak partnering John Cooney here? It's uh, For me, it's precarious in terms of the halfback pairing right now. And that kind of seeps in terms of your kind of pack and your backline cohesion. I think it's. I think Ulster have to basically produce a performance, but I don't think it's going to be anyway near a victory here, Liam. But I think they should give a good account of themselves. I'm thinking probably 10, 12 point win for La Rochelle going away. But I think there's probably a bit of animosity in terms of the La Rochelle home fixture, which had to go to Aviva and to see if a sea of La Rochelle supporters in the ground. I think. You know, you have to use motivation wherever you can here, Liam. And I think from that perspective, I think Ulster could be, give a defined performance, but again, it's a very hard place to La Rochelle to go at any given point. So, yeah, it'll be a La Rochelle win. Uh, do you see anything else here in terms of the fixtures here 
that may stand out here as a maybe a stand-up moment for this weekend? Yeah, well, uh, Claremont and and I say Leicester Tigers on their Friday. I think I think Claremont Tigers that's that, that's always quite a, a cracking fixture, and there there won't be much in it at the end. But I just feel that the Tigers have been left re in the Hippany place, losing Sinfield and Bortwick, oh. kind of halfway through the season. You know, losing two, I mean, of your of your coaches is is quite tough. Plus, they seem to have got a few two heavy losses back to back now in the in the Zori Premiership. So I think they'll be, they'll, be back, they'll battle back, but they won't quite win. So for a few points for for Claremont there, you know. I I I think looking at Sale and Toulouse, I think at this stage for Munster, it's better if the top two in in each group, quite frankly, just keep winning, you know. <laughs> and because I think we can go up the table, it probably would be bad. In fact. In every way for for sale to actually win against Toulouse, they'd be gone up the table. Toulouse then would have us in the final game, <laughs> needing to win something badly, <laughs> you know. So that's that's a game I'm so really that I'm looking at. Bulls Exeter could be quite an interesting game there. Bulls got hammered in the way fixture, but I, th- I think they're definitely going to turn things around in the return. Yeah, I'd kind of echo those sem- sentiments there, uh, Liam, particularly the Bulls Exeter. Particularly with Jake White and his emergency surgery uh, there during the week. Pass on our best wishes to Jake White there, uh, full recovery. But I think the Bulls have a point to prove, particularly in the Transvaal um, and the Versfeld, to uh, Nexter Chiefs, who are, let's be frank about it, Liam, to some key players uh, departing the club at the end of the season, like Cohen, Dickey, Simmons, that's only a start. Jack Nowell. Jack Nowell as well, you know, so... Finances are being kind of tightened there in extra chiefs. And I think from that perspective here, it is going to be a pretty interesting final chapter, I would think, for that squad and extra chiefs. And they want to go out in a high. But Bulls, it's a different ball game playing the Bulls and Loftus Verfield. I think that'll be an incredible game. Osprey's Montpellier for me as well. Maybe not one of the games that would stand out. But I have to say the Ospreys have really progressively improved in recent weeks. You know, particularly their festive period um, performances. They snatched a few late wins. The Montpellier game on the road has really propelled their form. And Montpellier coming to Swansea looking for a result again. I think that might be an intriguing one because it would be great to see the Ospreys pull up another result here against Montpellier and really put themselves in directing for a playoff push here. Other games, maybe London Irish Stormers, (laughs) if we can get a dry day at all (laughs) in Brentford, I think that'll be an amazing, amazing encounter. Both teams like to basically throw that ball. And I think, to be fair, one for the try-loving enthusiast uh, there, for sure. And then, of course, you have Racing 92 and Harlequins on the Sunday as well. You know, two teams that looked very evenly matched in the stoop. And, uh, you know, it's do or die for Racing 92 here. And also Harlequins for a certain extent. So it's real playoff knockout rugby there. Um, So, again, I think there's an awful lot of fixtures here that do whet the appetite. I suppose, Liam, you know, general thoughts in terms of kind of moving away from European Cup. There has been some personnel decisions in terms of England and Wales for their test match teams heading into Six Nations. You alluded to it there in terms of Steve Warwick being appointed as England head coach, Kevin Sinfield arriving as defensive coach. But the news of Nick Evans, former Harlequins fly half, coming in as an attacking coach, that looks quite an astute move given Nick Evans's style of play and how he would typically release a backline. So I think pretty exciting times there if you're an England supporter. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got a very good coaching ticket there now, haven't they? 
And as I said, it's it's something that that England need. And it's kind of funny, you know, he's obviously a very good attacking player in his day and he'll bring good ideas. But I think he also has to really focus on the on the 10 jersey, you know, and and decide who exactly is going to take on that 10 jersey. By by extension, again, it comes down to the that kind of balance in the English uh, midfield, just not quite right. So that that's something that that he that would he'd have to work on as well, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a key point. You know, even mentoring Marcus Smith, we know he's undoubted talent, his potential. But I think it's fair to say his form may has been in, a little bit inconsistent for England, particularly in the last six to nine months. So I think it's imperative for Evans and Smith really to be on the same hymn sheet. Uh, I think that will happen. Maybe not immediately during the start of Six Nations. But I imagine when you get to latter rounds, I think you may see the the Evans effect there in full effect. And I suppose, you know, the Sinfield defensive coach, yes, but was a playmaker in his time in rugby league and rugby union. So I think we may see a different look to England, particularly in the Six Nations. And I'm excited to see what they will produce. And I suppose with Wales, obviously Warren Gatland appointing, there was also probably personnel reshuffle in the backroom staff, inevitably. And uh, news uh, of Stephen Jones and getting Jenkins' departure was lauded before Christmas. But we got the announcement of Alex King and Mike Forshaw uh, replacing Stephen Jones and getting Jenkins in the Welsh uh, backroom staff. I suppose Alex King was a former attack coach uh, for Gatland temporarily in 2017. And then Mike Forshaw, uh, a superb servant for Sale Sharks, held in high regard. So I suppose Gatland building a quality backroom team around him to really propel this website onto new levels for this year. Yeah, and uh, Alex King, again, is kind of, a, um, I suppose, an intriguing character, and he has been involved in international rugby before. But in terms of coaching, yeah, he's, he's, he's done quite well, you know, as a backs coach in the Saints. Then in 2017, he had a stint there with uh, Wales, and then um, Montpellier and Gloucester. So he, he, he brings quite a bit. He's quite well thought of in, in rugby. Yeah, I would think so. And I think Mike Forshaw has a very intriguing background, particularly rugby league with England, Great Britain, you know, Wigan born. So obviously Andy Farrell would know him well. But I think his, his short stint in Saracens was quite rather key as well. To be fair as well, he spent three seasons with Connacht, in a, you know, making their Heineken Cup debut in 2011. So no shortage of experience there for uh, Warren Gatland particularly. And I suppose we'll kind of review the Six Nations after the end of these European Cup campaign uh, fixtures here, Liam. Um, I suppose Liam, we'll leave it there. Got plenty to cover there and potential podcast ideas there for potential transfer targets for Munster Rugby in a future podcast. But many thanks for your time tonight, Liam. And uh, yeah, we'll review uh, the round three European Heineken Cup and Challenge Cup fixtures uh, next week. Until then, thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Liam. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Sidekick on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.